as they said. My name is Dustin. I get to help lead this ministry. It's a, it's a joy to get to sing with you guys and worship Jesus here at the start of season three of Campus Collective. Um, as we're getting started, though, if you did fill out one of those cards, if you could pass those to the middle, we can go ahead and start doing that. There should be some people coming around to help pick those up, I think. At least one person coming. Oh, there's two. Okay, we're going to get it. Um, so as you're doing that, you can go and turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians 1, 1 through 6 this evening. Um, and as you're, we'll have it on the screen too, so you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. We'll, we'll be able to get you caught up. But as we're turning there or um, getting our phones out or however you're going to look at the Bible tonight, I want to tell a quick story. Um, just so you know, I am normally really not that creative. I um, struggle a lot with creative sermon um, illustrations and introductions to get you hooked. Normally, I want to just name the sermons, whatever text we're going to be going through, so it's a little bit on the boring side, but I just got a sermon introduction about 55 minutes ago, okay? I'm um, walking around. My normal routine is to kind of pace through this building and just kind of get psyched up, ready to preach, and as I'm doing that, I normally do this thing with, I preach on an iPad, okay? And normally, I hold it like this, and I'm kind of walking around, and um, today, as I'm walking over near the connect table, where you guys will hopefully get connected tonight, uh, the iPad flies out of my hand, um, cracks right onto the connect table, and shatters in a lot of different places. Um, if you know me at all, I like to have things prepared and working exactly as they should, and a shattered iPad screen makes that pretty difficult. So that, that means a few things. One, I've been informed that the uh, software should not be messed up, but just in case it does, we got the sermon right here, physical copy. Um, but also, apparently, if I slide at the wrong angle, I could slice my finger open, and it will bleed. So um, if you see that, especially in the front row, y'all, I just need you to ignore it, okay? Because if you all act like it's not there, maybe we can get all the way through the end of the night, and um, no one else will notice that my finger's bleeding, okay? Um, but all that being aside, I, was, I honestly was really stressed about this, and and as I was praying and trying to just recollect my thoughts, um, I realized something, that this is actually an incredible um, reminder from the Lord that uh, really, before we're ever able to be used for something great by Him, we actually do have to be broken. And um, granted, this is an iPad, not worth much, but all of us as people are made in His image, and I know and if you belong to him, especially, and you follow him, he is wanting to do incredible things through you on our mission to reach this campus, and I know he's got to break us. Um, so on that note, let's, let's turn our attention to Ephesians 1. The, the series title is In Christ We Live, and that's really a, an intentional title. It has two parts. The first part is this, um, In Christ. And what you're going to see is that that is chapters 1 through 3 of the book of Ephesians. And the idea of being in Christ is actually one of the deepest concepts in all of Scripture. Um, the fact that those of us have been saved by God, that the fact that we are, when we are saved, we are put in Christ, has implications that will take us forever to fully understand. And the first three chapters of Ephesians explore this in many, many aspects of what that means. We're actually going to look at a few of those tonight. And I'll be honest, it should overwhelm you. You should not read all of the deep things of Scripture and think, you know what, I think I've, I've got that. That makes perfect sense to me. If it's a God that we can figure out, it's not a God that is deserving of our worship. And the second part of this series title, We Live, really is focused on chapters 4 through 6 
of the book of Ephesians. So after going really, really deep into this book for seven weeks, we will transition to the practical application um, for the final three chapters of, of how we are supposed to live. And I love that, that all the time, you'll see this in the Bible, that God is going to overwhelm you with things that are true about you in him, and then he will show you how to live. Some of you might have a jacked up view of what following Jesus actually means. It isn't obeying a bunch of rules and then God blesses you. It's actually God blesses you in Christ, and then you live out those realities. So let's, um, let's lean into the word. I mean, I, I hope you are ready for this year. Um, I know that this book if we live out what it is saying by faith, it can change history. And, and the whole, you can really summarize the entire preaching ministry of Campus Collective with, with me just saying this, that I actually have nothing good to say to you. Nothing. I really don't want you leaving here thinking that this was like, man, that speaker is cool. I don't care. But what I want you to leave here understanding is that we have a God that has spoken to us. And if we'll receive it by faith, it can change everything. So let's look at the first two verses here. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's tempting to just kind of skip on through the introduction verses, but there's some really, really important themes for us to consider this evening. Um, First, just a note, especially if you were new to the Bible, right in the very beginning, we see who wrote this letter. His name's Paul. Something you need to know about him is that Paul in his earlier life literally murdered Christians. He was um, on his path of just trying to stop people from following Jesus, and the grace of God overwhelmed him and changed the entire path of his life. His life became a trophy for the grace of God. And you know this, that no matter what you've done or how far you've gone, by grace, your life can show off the glory of God too. So right off the bat, just when you read Paul, don't just think, okay, awesome, Paul wrote it. You think about what this man has done, responsible for murdering people, yet God has used him instead of trying to stop the church to build the church. And and then he distinguishes himself as an apostle. Um, An apostle was a specific office back in that day that was given authority to write scripture. These are people who saw the resurrected Christ with their own eyes. An apostle literally means sent one. So, Obviously, we don't have apostles now, but in a sense, all of us are still sent on mission. So some people would equate this to maybe what we would mean by missionary. But Paul is saying, listen, my name's Paul. Also, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus. And I love this, though. Notice what he is, the, what, who he is and what his office is. Look what the next phrase is. It is by the will of God. Now, I think especially in college, the idea of the will of God for our lives gets really confusing. It's what major should we go into? Who should we marry? All of these big life questions thinking that somehow God's will for our lives is some mystery for us. But the biblical idea of the will of God has a lot more to do with who you are and who you are obeying rather than what exactly you're supposed to do in your life. So Paul was saved by the will of God And Paul is an apostle by the will of God. He understood, as all of us should, that our job, the will of God for our life, is to come to him by faith and live in obedience to him. And you can do that no matter what major you're in. You can do that no matter which college you are 
what grad school you might be thinking about or which career decision you are doing, all in all, we can do the will of God exactly where we are. It's very freeing for us. Now, notice then, we're going to keep going. So Paul, we know who he is. We know um, the position he was given. It's by the will of God. Then we see who this letter was written to. It says, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So this letter is written to saints. That doesn't mean super Christian, okay? That means follower of Jesus. These are people who have been saved. But I want you to see something here. There's an expectation of faithfulness. Some manuscripts even say to the saints who are in Ephesus, to those who are faithful. And I love this distinction right in the beginning of the letter. Following Jesus is not a one-time decision you made back in the day to be a better person. Following Jesus is not just a spiritual enlightenment level that you reach. Following Jesus is seeing your sin as horrifying to a holy God, but understanding that he loves you enough to send Jesus to die, not just for you, but instead of you, and rising again to offer new life. And when you come to that reality by faith, that is following Jesus. It's not that one time at summer camp when you felt bad after they played a dramatic skit And you walked up and you said, all right, I like that skit. Okay? This is serious. Man, especially you freshmen, when you were coming into college, this is the time. I know it's so easy sometimes in high school to play your parents' faith, but now in college, this is the time when you can come to terms with the Jesus that we are worshiping this evening. And if you aren't growing to see him more and more like this, you will not be faithful. You won't. When suffering comes or sin is too good to pass up, you'll leave him. And it's some of the most heartbreaking things I've had to walk through the past two years. Some of you may have names and faces in your mind of people who looked like they were all in. But there wasn't a growing love for Jesus. And they fell away. This is why we can't always relax in ministry. It's a serious stuff here. There's an expectation. If you are in Christ, it is writing to you as someone who is expected that you are faithful. And if you look at the start of whenever Ephesus was planted, it's an incredible story. The gospel takes root in Ephesus, and it starts to spread. So many people are getting saved that the idol shops, there's literally shops where people are making idols for people to worship. They are literally shutting down. Business has gone bad because no one wants their idols. The whole culture is disrupted, which meant if you followed this Jesus, it became pretty obvious. You were either in or you were out. And listen, especially you followers of Jesus in this room, I'm begging that you want to see the culture of Marshall changed. I'm not talking in some, you know, big public way where everybody at Marshall just acknowledges conservative ideas, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm saying people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I know we want that. You've got to know that it comes with a cost. It's going to become obvious who's in and who's out as we go on. And, and, and that's the point of this ministry. If, you aren't a, if you're a follower of Jesus, but you aren't wanting to see your entire life as something to be offered to Christ for his glory, you might not like it here. This is serious stuff. If the things that we affirm in the Bible are true, there's work to do, and there is a Jesus to follow. But even if you wouldn't call yourself a faithful follower of Jesus, there's reason to listen this evening. Um, 
I know some of you might be going backwards. You maybe have had some past association with Jesus, but obedience to him is no longer a good thing to you. Um, and then there's maybe some of you that are not even really sure why you're here. Maybe you received a popsicle at Wild Week and thought, I should probably give them a try. It was a good popsicle. All right, maybe. I don't know. Some of you are like, yep, that's me. But listen, the Lord has you here. It's not an accident. Maybe you're wondering, this Jesus thing is actually legitimate. And then probably the most terrifying people that are here are those of you that are claiming Christ, but your life doesn't look anything like it. I'm talking either putting on a Christian show or you claim Christ in public, but you're living a life of completely unrepentant sin. And I love you enough to say this, that I hope you are deeply uncomfortable. Um, the reason why I say that is because that was me. In 2010, 2011, I rolled into campus ministry life and claimed Christ on the outside. My life was full of rebellion. And it wasn't until people loved me enough to step into my life and offer truth to me that everything changed. I was deeply uncomfortable for a whole semester, so I had some stamina in the awkward. But we love you enough to make that very, very clear. If you don't know Jesus, I, these are the nicest people that I've ever met. There is no better place to get to know and figure out questions about your spiritual life. And if you love Jesus, you're ready to go after it. I pray this ministry fans the flame in your life. If you're playing the game, I'm begging you to consider your path tonight. This book will show us some of the deepest truths that we can ever discover, and it can literally change history if my gosh, a group of people this size, this size, all deciding to follow Jesus with everything they've got. Better watch out, Marshall. Kingdom of darkness will stand no chance to people who decide that this is worth it. And then he concludes and just says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that he anchors these in their God-centered power. When we say grace, we're not just talking about being nice. We're talking about the grace of God, the one who could punish us but instead loves us. When we say peace, we're not talking about ignorant bliss. We're talking about true peace that comes from the one who has enough power to guarantee our protection as he sees fit. And I believe that God can change Marshall by his grace. I really do. In Ephesus, as we've said, the grace of God was wrecking shop on the evil idols of their day. People's lives were being changed. God's glory was being displayed. The same grace that happened then is in us. It can actually happen, but it starts when God's people stop letting the grace and peace that is found in the, our God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Those don't just stay cliche to us, but they become things that change every thought, every action, every decision. We can be faithful saints. So it's in that note, sorry, that's just the intro. We got a lot to go. Let's, let's keep going. Verse three through six. So Listen, Paul starts out the letter, and then I think he honestly just gets overwhelmed about God. Because a lot of commentators will say that these next 14 verses that we're going to take three weeks to get through, okay, is literally one big 202-word run-on sentence. If you all know, like, hopefully you will learn what a run-on sentence is in English 101. They'll, they'll mark it up, okay, you'll know. But those normally, if you're speaking in a run-on sentence, it's normally because you just can't stop talking about something because you're really excited and you don't really have any time to take a breath because it's something that is completely overwhelming to you. And if you write on a paper, you just get a bad grade. 
But for, for Paul, it's inspired, so what are we going to say to him, okay? So th this is one massive run-on sentence meant to aim your heart at worshiping Jesus with your life. So let's read it. Remember, it's in the Greek. So you're going to see punctuation. Don't think I'm lying to you, okay? This is the English version. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. So Paul begins by just unloading worship to God, the God who saved him. He understands that this God deserves praise. He deserves our worship. He deserves our lives. It would be important, though, before we just say, okay, worship, praise, got it, to understand what we actually mean by worship. You need to know this, that everybody worships. It's not just a religious activity. It means to express adoration, to make much of, to show reverence to. So if your thoughts and actions are always shaped by something or some idea or someone, then that is what you worship. The problem is that all of us naturally worship anything other than God by default. It's in our sin nature. But Paul is showing us that once we're in Christ, the natural overflow is to praise God for who he is and what he has done. And that we're going to find is where true freedom is. You've got to understand something. Worship is freedom, but freedom is not doing whatever you want. True freedom is being able to do what you were made to do. So if I had a fish in a fish tank with water, and that fish really, really wanted to follow its little fish heart and jump out of the water, okay? That's what he wanted to do, was what the fish was set his mind. True freedom was getting out of this tank. You need to understand that that fish is not free as it flops around on the ground. That's not freedom. Fish were made for water. And it's in those boundaries of what it was made to do where that fish actually finds freedom. And you were made to worship God. That's what you were made to do. But all of us have chosen to jump out of the worship God tank. Whether it's the God of sex or the God of academics or relationships, etc., etc., ultimately it's just ourselves. We are cho literally choosing to worship something that works against our freedom. And as I was working through this, like, I'll be honest, I, I was reading this and I thought, somehow, this unbelievably satanic thought really came to my mind where I thought, you know what, I can't actually think of any idols to confess for this part. That's bad, by the way. If you ever look at the word and you leave that thinking, I'm not too bad here. But then I, I started thinking, like, what situation would I, would I be in that could maybe expose idols in my life? And I, and I thought about this one. So maybe this will help, maybe not. Maybe it's just for me, and that's fine. But I, I wondered, do, would I lie to someone that I didn't really know that well for $1,000? Think about it. Like, if... We could guarantee that all of you could leave here and we'd give you $1,000 if you come back next week and talk about a lie you told. How many of you would do it? Don't raise your hand. I'm just saying. But you need to understand, anything that is worth disobedience to the Lord is exposing us of our idols. Even something that's silly. But 
if, you, if some of you are like, There's, of course I would. Are you kidding me? I would go tell a lie. I would tell them a different name, and I would move on and collect my cash. What, what you are saying is that $1,000 is worth your worship over God. So, that being said, we need to understand that this God, as we read through these things that he's done and these blessings for us in Christ, that the point is that we worship him. This is why we sing. It's why we live. Our lives should be spent enjoying this truth and sharing this news so others can know the joy of truly knowing him. Okay, so what we're going to do for the next 10 to 15 minutes here is break each um, these four verses down phrase by phrase so we can see everything the Lord's wanting us to see this evening. So that first part, here we go. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So once again, it's blessed. He's worshiping, showing this God is deserving of our worship. Please realize that all of our problems in suffering and our problems with sin are ultimately worship problems. So if you limped in here this evening with something like that, you need to know there's a God deserving of your worship. I remember 2011 worshiping anything and anyone other than the God who could set me free. So we keep going, and that said, the, the next part there, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. So that means all the spiritual blessings, every command is for our joy, every promise is a rock to build our life on, every single one of them is ours in Christ. But I want you to see something. It says spiritual blessings here. We don't always see these in full right now. But banking on spiritual blessings is so much better than building your life on physical ones. And we all know this, that you can get the blessing of $100, but then you spend it, and then what you bought with it eventually ends up in a garage sale. But spiritual blessings, you can't put a price tag on having peace with God when your whole life is falling apart. This is what God is trying to get us to see. And notice, these aren't just spiritual blessings that are ours. These spiritual blessings are in the heavenly places. These are specified as being in heaven. Now, this is deep, but it can change your life if you'll see it. That these blessings are realized in full in heaven, where God's will is perfectly done, and there's no more sin, and there's no more suffering. And in Christ, we have those heavenly blessings now. And I'll be honest, I have no idea why God does it like this. But I know that it's for our good. Learning to live by faith now in blessings that are completely ours but not quite yet there will only strengthen us when times are hard. And then one day, every ounce of suffering, every ounce, every moment of confusion will be worth it in an instant. But that's what Christ has purchased for us in these spiritual blessings. So let's look at a few of them. The first one is this. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, I am begging you not to let the idea of choosing throw you off here. There's always mystery to worshiping a God that we can't see. One of the spiritual blessings, the reasons that you should be singing tonight and sharing the gospel on campus for the rest of the week that God wants to honestly overwhelm you with tonight is the fact that you were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Think about this. In Christ, if you are in Christ, this means that before the Lord created the sun, 
He was setting his affections on you. This should give you unbreakable confidence. I know that some of you are trapped in guilt and shame because of that one sin that you promised you would never do again, but you keep going back to it. Or it's that suffering, that thing that just kind of haunts your life. You need to know that before you ever sinned, he loved you. Before you ever walked through that darkest moment of your life, he loved you. And even now, as you may be awaiting that phone call that will change your life forever, he has loved you before he made you. That's a spiritual blessing worth worshiping Jesus for. Revelation 13 makes it clear that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. The cross was always the plan. This means that saving you from your sin was always the plan. Do not let that be cliche. God hasn't changed before he made everything. The point was to slaughter his son instead of you so that you might have life in him. He loves you that much. But listen, even if you aren't a follower of Jesus in the room, this is still good news for you. This means that the work is done. You can come to faith you can come to Jesus by faith right now. The fact that you're here is not an accident. You might just need to know that there's no religious activity you need to do. There's no cleaning up your act to become forgiven. The work is done. God is rigging history to show off his love for you. Then we see the reason why he does this. That we should be holy and blameless before him. This incredible blessing of God's choosing us before the foundation of the world gets even more overwhelming when you see the reason he did it. He chose us so that we would be holy and blameless before him. Please realize, on your own, you are not holy. You are to blame for your sin. And because of your choosing of worshiping other things, because of our worship problem that we have, all we do is disobey and continue to dishonor the God who made us. God is holy and we are not, yet in his before the foundation of the world love, he sent Jesus to die in our place and rise again so that we might be holy and blameless before him. Fight against that becoming boring. You are holy and blameless for a God who should punish us in our sin, but he hasn't because he punished Jesus instead. Next blessing, he just keeps pouring them on us. Verse 5 says, in, or verse 4, excuse me, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus. So it's in this same love that he predestines us for adoption. This is an identity-shifting angle of the glory of the gospel, if you can see it. He determined beforehand, before you ever sinned, before you ever screwed everything up, for adoption. Have you ever considered the beauty of adoption? For whatever reason, there's a little boy or little girl that's not in any family and left without parents. And a parent or parents decide that they will do whatever it takes to put this child in their family. They pay the cost to adopt this little boy or girl, sometimes going across oceans to get them. The amount of money is hard, but it's no match for the love they have for their child. The love compelling them to want that child makes every bit of the suffering worth it. And then they take this child in, and the child's given a new last name. And all the benefits of being in this family is now theirs. This child who was not in a family is completely pursued by people who love this child, and they're brought into the family. 
Now consider the gospel. We were not only alone, but we were by nature children of wrath. That's the family we're in, apart from Christ, the wrath family. And the reason for this is because of our own sin and rebellion. Yet the God of the universe, a perfectly loving father, decides that he will do whatever it takes to put you in his family. He's willing to pay the cost. And because of our sin, the cost will be death. And God himself comes to pay the cost in the person and work of Jesus. He dies the death we deserve. He pays the penalty of what it would cost to bring us into the family of a perfect God. And the love that Jesus has for us made every bit of his suffering worth it. And when you come by faith, you're taken in as a child. All of the benefits of belonging to this family is now ours. All of the spiritual blessings are ours because we are sons and daughters of God. We become brothers and sisters with other Christians and we belong to God and he is the best dad. If you don't know me, you won't know this, but I had a pretty significant year. My wife and I just had our first baby. Um, his, his name is Duke and we love him. And uh, he is going on approximately 10 or 11 weeks. Um, I think it's, I can't, honestly, I can't see the watch, but... Whatever June 12th, or August 27th minus June 12th is. That's how old he is. And um, I, I'm just telling you, I've never experienced a love that I felt when I saw that little boy. Like, the only way I can describe it is that it felt like, here we go. Also, by the way, I cry almost every week. Um, <laughs> it, it, it feels like something deep in you that it's like coming out of your guts. That's the only way I can describe this. And, and I think... I know that one of the reasons that the Lord gave me him was to overwhelm me with what a fatherly love feels like. And I am so sinful. I was like questioning the will of God for my life because I threw my iPad into a connect table. <laughs> Yet a God, if you're in Christ and he's your father, that deep in your guts kind of love that's what he's aimed on you, and it's constantly proven because of the cross. It's a spiritual blessing that cannot be taken from you. And he says, he goes on, the reason all this happened, if that wasn't enough, which it would be, but look at this. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved, all of this is because of the purpose of his will, Anyone and everyone can come to him and be saved because of Christ. If it was up to us and our wills, we would continue in our sins. We would rebel into all kinds of evil, or we would just try to clean it up and we'd call it religion. None of it giving us life. And that all of this was not just according to the purpose of his will, but it was, because, it was all for the praise of his glorious grace. And you need to get something. Even if you leave here, think you're never coming back, this whole semester, leave here with this. If you want to live the abundant life that Jesus has purchased for you, you need to understand that even our salvation, even our being chosen, even our being adopted, even that is not about us. He didn't reward you for doing really well. He did it because of his own fatherly love. So we should be humble, 
We should take the pressure off of ministry. We step into the lives of people that we love and offer them a gift that is already paid in full. And all of these glorious spiritual blessings that are aimed at us, all of them are actually for the praise of His glory. Do you see that? Like, you would think that the one thing that seems like it's a lot about us, I mean, you know, Jesus died and rose again to give us eternal life with God forever in heaven. That's one of the most joyful things I've ever heard in my life, okay? But even that, I'm not making this up. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace, not necessarily our happiness, not necessarily our comfort, not us getting whatever we want as we follow our hearts. I know this kind of sounds like bad news, but it's actually the best news ever. You can't handle the weight of being your greatest satisfaction. You can't handle the pressure. You are a terrible God. Life can't work when we are the point of our lives. And this actually drives the gospel. I want you to see this. This doesn't take away from the gospel. This doesn't make the gospel less incredible to share with people. God's glory is the point. See, God is all about his own glory. He is perfect, and he demands that his creation, that's us, worships him. And it's for our good. Yet we are sinfully all about ourselves. And we deserve his judgment because he is holy. At the same time, this God loves us. And because God is about his glory, this tension actually drives us straight to Jesus. He can't just sweep sin under the rug. Then he wouldn't be a perfect God. And if he's not a perfect God, he shouldn't be worshipped or trusted. Sin has to be punished. Yet his love drove him toward us and not away from us. When Jesus died in our place, taking the wrath of God for us, it was God, listen, vindicating his own glory. His love drove him to meet the demands of his justice. And that means that God is for us, but he's ultimately about himself, and that is the best news in the world. So as the band comes back up, and we get ready to end our night praising this God. I want you to consider how you will respond tonight. It's a really dangerous thing to hear truth and do nothing about it. So followers of Jesus in the room, if you claim Christ, repent of the sin of making your life about you. Lay down control, surrender to him. You can trust him with this year. He was faithful last year. He'll be faithful again for your next year of college. Or if you've been on the fence about Jesus, I want you to know that he's worth it. It's actually worth it. It seems hard and it is sometimes and sometimes doesn't make sense, but there is truth and peace and grace that is available that Jesus has purchased for us that is worth it. If you walked in here tonight and you don't know him, I just want to ask what you're waiting on. You've heard the truth about these, really about the deepest realities in the entire universe. Every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ, and he's completed the work to purchase them for you. You can come and take it. Let's pray. Father, it is a uh, miracle that we can call you Father. On our own, we were hopeless. On our own, we had no family, no hope, nothing. 
yet, God, you pursued us. Will never make sense, but I know it's true. So, Father, as we get ready to start our year off with just praising you again, I pray that even as we sing and in the conversations afterwards, that we would lift the name of Jesus up because of who you are and every spiritual blessing that is ours because of what he has done. It's in his name we pray. Amen.